Thanks for tuning in to the Replatform podcast sponsored by Amplius and Clavio. You're listening to myself, James Gedd, and my co-host, Paul Rogers. How you doing, buddy? Yeah, good, thanks. How are you doing? Yeah, um, I think it was easier for me to find my uh, office today than you to find a meeting room at WeWork, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's getting increasingly difficult as I continue to try and be a real business. Um, yeah. Get my numbers and yeah, stop wasting money. Uh, excellent. Um, so uh, thanks to anybody who's tuning back in today. And if you're new to the podcast, thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoy it. You can subscribe if you want an episode alert. We drop them every week by email. And we'd love a like on YouTube, Spotify, Apple to make us feel much happier about our insignificant lives. Thank you very much. <laughs> so let me introduce our topic. Paul will then introduce our guest and we'll get cracking. So our topic today is, is Word Seeds Pivot from e-commerce marketplace to brand discovery platform. We're going to cover what that pivot means, the process behind it, and the operational tech implications when you change your business models, and where they're currently going and the latest acquisition of Bombardate Marketplace and what that means to the business. So, Paul, do you want to set up um, uh, and do the introductions to Harry, and then we'll get into the questions? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, so I invited uh, Harry to come onto the podcast. Uh, my business partner, Josh, and I worked with Harry and his business partner, Nick, probably about five years ago when we first started Avant, or like shortly after. Um, and Harry and Nick uh, ran a marketplace business called Apimo, um, which was great. They had some really good brands, like real kind of challenger in that space, very high traffic early on. Um, and then recently, they've gone for an interesting journey, as you say, kind of pivoting away from the marketplace model so i wanted to get harry on and kind of ask him to talk through his journey and what he's doing now and kind of what he's learned from the experience so harry first question can you talk us through i guess your background the, the background of a puma and then why you decided to move away from the marketplace model um, and more towards the word seed uh business which is a essentially a discovery platform yes yeah, so so we launched we launched the puma as a marketplace um fashion, lifestyle, consumer brands, and it can, connecting them with, with customers. Um, and on paper, when you look at the marketplace model, it looked, it looks great. It looks, it looks awesome. You know, you got your, you got your 30% commission, um, no inventory risk and, and none of the kind of ancillary costs that you have related to inventory management. So you've got no, um, you know, shipping, logistics, warehousing, you know, the, the list goes on. Um, but, but for us as a marketplace, we found, we found two main issues. The, the first was that turning a profit in the future was becoming increasingly more and more unlikely, um, unless, of course, you're one of the few lucky marketplaces to, to reach an absolutely vast scale. Um, to, to make sales and grow the top line aggressively enough to fundraise, um, you know, we needed to be overly, overly reliant on discounts. So you know, on top of the, the discounts we're offering on the way in, You've got increasing customer acquisition costs, customer services, free shipping, returns, all of that eroding our margin to the point that only, you know, an unbelievable customer LTV was gonna was gonna was gonna save our unit economics, but it was never, it was never quite strong enough. Um and the and the second reason that we pivoted, you know, away from from marketplace was was that we felt like we were just giving our brands working with us another competitor. Um, we're competing on branded terms on Google Shopping, um, for example. And, and you know, if, if you take a step back, you know, you notice that our goals, the goals of the marketplace, goals of the brands just, just weren't aligned. We, we wanted customers to buy through a Pumo 
uh, so we get our commission. And the brands wanted to get discovered on a Primo uh, and receive the uh, the orders direct. Great. And I guess um, one thing I wanted to add to that was when you mm. did the Puma, I think it was because, you know, there's so many kind of small marketplaces out there. I think you were in a different category just because I think you did the, um, you always did the curation really well. And obviously there was a lot of investment in like editorial and content. And uh, I think you even did a magazine at one point, didn't you? Yeah, we did. Yeah. I mean, and, and that, that, that was it. You know, we, when we realized we needed to pivot um, my business partner, Nick, and I, we sat down and we were like, look, you know, what are the levers we're going to be able to pull to turn a profit in the future? Are we going to be able to to spend less on customer services? No. Are we going to be able to charge our brands more? No. Um, are we going to be able to um, make changes that, you know, are going to enable us to pull, you know, to pull in a profit when, you know, uh, you know, and the answer was no, unless we were going to reach this huge scale. And were we going to, um, were we going to achieve the funding rounds all the way through to, to to get us there? The answer is, you know, almost almost certainly not. So we sat down um, and we wanted to, you know, work out what we did best. So, like you said, Paul, you know, discovering and curating great brands in a great shopping environment, supported by editorial content, that was all the stuff that we we did we did very well. Was there a model? where we could do that, but brands could control the entire sales cycle and crucially the sales data. You know, was there uh, a model where we wouldn't have to offer welcome discounts, loyalty discounts that you see so many marketplaces do in an effort to essentially lure orders away from from, from going direct to brands? Um, and, and was there a way for the customer to discover on a Pumo, but deal directly with the brand, you know, to get a far better experience, you know, more informative product info, you know, expertise where needed, more streamlined shipping, returns, that kind of thing. So, so in in late 2020, um, we approached all of our brands to let them know that we were ending the marketplace and we wanted to promote them across our platform, um, email database and social channels in return for a cost per click. Um, so, so that was it. So the, the, the shift from marketplace was to a platform um, where the brands would pay on a cost per click basis, um, monthly recurring. Oh, sorry, with, with a monthly recurring, you know, um, um, a budget. So all the brands do is they give us a budget, they give us a CPC, uh, and we create the content. Yeah, I got a question on that because I, I mean that's really interesting to to, to pivot like that because it's not a small change either because the marketplace technology is not the same thing. And I, I guess a lot of businesses in e-commerce face parallel challenges when they might be changing their tech stack so what what process do you take operationally and tech wise like what what process do you approach to be able to understand what the impact and how you would go through that so so i suppose i suppose if, if you if you if we take a step back and 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 look at what what happened you've got um you know, from a brand's perspective, the, the pivot was well received. I and mean, that's the first thing to say, you know, otherwise it wouldn't have worked. You know, in, in a market where um, costs at Facebook and Google were increasing, there there aren't that many ways to reach you know, customers in a, in a scalable way. Um, so, you know, we we had built up just shy of a million quid in ad spend on the platform. Um, you know, there was no there was no way for us to um, to be able to provide that amount of traffic. Um, so we went to um, we went to publishers 
and, and asked them if they would join us in our network. And at the same time, brands were coming to us and they were saying, um, you know, how else do we get featured uh, in other publications alongside of Humo? Um, so, so luckily we've got, you know, very, very strong engineering team. Um, and they were able to create um, seriously quickly a platform where um, where publishers and brands can be connected, but in a kind of automated way. So, so we've got a so WordSeed is a fully automated way for brands to secure coverage. And as I mentioned earlier, they literally give us a, a monthly budget, a CPC rate, and they sit back and, and wait for the you know high quality shopping traffic via the content that our that our network of publishers produce. Um, so, so all of the um, all of the all of the tech stack, all of the platforms are built from the ground up. We've got um, we've got a central admin portal that, that we run, of course, and we've got a publisher portal, um, and we've got a brand portal. And every day, the brands, the brands, uh, or sorry, every day, the publishers are logging into the um, logging into the platform um, to essentially shop through a list of brands, um, and we're getting new brands added added every day. Um, so a great resource for publishers looking to monetize content. And you know a, a really solid uh, new channel for uh, for brands. So you got you went down the custom route. I'm really intrigued. But what made you go down a custom route rather than going to a, like a third party established ad network? What um, and what were the challenges you faced? Because that that's not a small undertaking. Uh, one thing to add to that, just before yeah. you go, obviously we were uh, quite well. We still work in view at this point. I think it's quite interesting how you went down the route of moving from agency to developer i don't know if you still work with that guy what, what do you call him is it magic mike or something magic magic mike yeah i mean yeah. magic magic mike is um is uh, you know fundamental um fundamental to the business's success i mean the I, I would never go back to agency and then this is no this is no slight on agencies it's just the kind of business we are um you know we employ um engineers and we employ salespeople. that that's it um so so there would be no there would be no room for an agency in what we do and 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 in answer to your to your question james um the decision to build the platform from the ground up was was one that that our that our lead developer uh, mike took um firstly because he thought it, it would be a really exciting project and he wanted to get seed stuck into it um and secondly from a from a value perspective you know we we want we want to build a valuable business for for us and for our shareholders and um piecing together a kind of frankenstein of different pieces of technology um when we have the expertise in house to build something from the ground up um yeah just 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 looked a bit less attractive um so that makes sense and then what led to the bigger pivot of then going kind of full ad network like what was the opportunity that you saw there a kind of gap in the market yeah i mean it was it was lit it was literally born out of the fact that we had all this um ad spend with um you know with with nowhere to put it um you know we we had a million quid a month um on a pumo and brands were, were were desperate to spend it because you know one one of the thing about brands when they're budgeting, as as you guys well know, is that if they're going to give you a budget of ten thousand a month and you don't spend it, then that budget's going to be need to be reallocated. So so we need to be quite careful that we need to if brands are going to give us budgets that we need to spend that budget. 
and um and it was just you know it just sort of fell into place quite 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 nicely because um you know you got brands wanting to feature in different publications you got publishers always wanting to monetize and it's quite tricky for publishers to monetize a lot of the times a lot of the time so it just sort of fell into place and actually um you know word seed was was born out of a real need one one for for brands the other for publishers and and the next for us to be able to use the um, engineering we ex- you know expertise we've got to build something greater than just a single um, publication and so from my understanding is that that you, you work with the publishers publishers uh, have obviously the ad space for the brands but you're looking to acquire editorial sites too so is that part of the platform mix where you own um the editorial sites as well as connecting with others or how does that piece work yeah we're quite we're quite active in the in that space it's essentially we always look to acquire um niche online publishers um it, it fits really nicely in with um with word seeds um strategy um we've got a deal in the pipeline um with a, with a large publisher closing very soon, which we're really excited about. But yeah, you know, if if we can have um, if we can have hundreds of third party publishers and a group of publishers that we own and control, um, it fits really nicely and adds a lot of value to, to to brands as well. And you you mentioned earlier about that. So the publishers go in each day to their portal. They go to effectively like select select the brands. Um, a stock that they want to bring onto their site um, targeted based on their content. The bit that brands will obviously want to know is, is that control piece of making sure that their, their ads are targeted and contextual, because you talk a lot about contextual relevance. What, what, how does the platform automate the process to ensure that a, you know, a rogue publisher doesn't stick an ad on a completely irrelevant page just to get some ad stock in there? So, so we're quite, um, or rather we're quite, we're, we're very, uh, picky of the publishers we work in we work with um, that's the first thing and the second thing it's um you know the publisher um adds one line of code and then our um system um you know is is the is the piece that that, that works out which ad is going to fit in that content contextually um, you know we, we've got a few different products you know like, like we said earlier we've got the we've got sponsored editorial um, enables brands to feature in dedicated and multi-brand articles, but we, we're doing these contextual ads, um, and unlike normal contextual ads, you know, ours are done on a on a on a CPC basis, which I think brands like. And we we've got some really interesting formats. These aren't just standard standard contextual banners. We've got we've got um, a product called Smart Windows, um, which combines um, products born out of the the feeds that we that that we pull in um, and lifestyles in a, in a single creative it looks a lot less like a conventional ad um so performance for the brands is very strong but yeah um it's it's fully automated um you know if there's no relevant content um you know if they if they put a, a, the line of code on an article about cars it's just not going to pull in anything because it's it's just not relevant enough um but if they put a, a, a the line of code for the contextual ads on a uh, on a on a sunglasses article, then we're going to cycle through um, some of our uh, sunglasses um, brands. What is Ampliance? In a word, it's freedom. The freedom to build a digital experience as limitless as your vision. Create, preview, schedule, and manage all your content in one easy place. 
Find out more at Ampliance.com. Ampliance. Experience freedom. That makes sense. And I guess the obvious question to this, so you've mentioned CPCs um, a few times. Um, mm. so what are the typical goals that people are going in with? Is it mostly kind of qualified traffic? And are people then, I guess, looking to like or do you find that people are looking to generate like a return in terms of kind of transactions and conversions and how are you reporting back to brand so so our place in the marketing funnel is very much at the top um you know we are um we are pouring um high quality shopping leads into the top of into the top of the funnel um and those leads are you know the, the way the way that you know as you guys know contextual ads work is that is that you know the traffic is pre-qualified you know that they're interested in sunglasses because they're looking at a sunglasses article so if your sunglasses creative is appearing on that article then um you know then you can be sure that at that exact moment in time the user is um you know is is spot on you know your target market so yeah so so Yes, and on the on the reporting side, um, you know, brands install a pixel, so the pixel enables us to um, report um, key metrics to brands in near enough real time. Um, but it also enables our algorithms to constantly optimize, you know, so we can automatically increase and decrease campaign budgets at all um, the different publishers um, to get the best results. And we do that based on based on you know um, hundreds of different metrics. That makes sense. I know you, um, uh, yeah, I've seen um, your traffic come into some of our client sites in the past. Obviously, you work with a few of our clients and I, yeah, I have seen some transactions. So I was intrigued to see if you report back on that. Um, so next question. In fact, sorry, are you going to No, no, I was going to, I was going to say, yeah, I mean, you know, not, not to sort of downplay the, the fact that, that, that brands can um, expect, um, you know, a positive ROI as well. Um, you know, like like you said, you know, the traffic is high quality. It de- it depends largely on the um, on the price of the products. You know, if you're if you're talking products, you know, uh, upwards of of let's say 120, um, then you probably it's not it's not the kind of impulse purchase that's gonna um, that's going to record a transaction for word seed on a last click attribution. So. Um, so yeah, it's just the, the metrics that that brands look at more or alongside the ROI are you know dwell time, pages per visit, that that kind of thing. To look to look at sort of the health of the traffic um, rather than just expecting there to be um, you know a load of um, impulse purchases on on the last click. Makes sense. It's more of a brand awareness activity. Exactly. Um- so next question. So uh, you've been working with a friend of mine, Leo, who runs uh, an editorial site called The Collector, um, and he's been sending me loads of uh, preview links and things to his new store, um, which is co-branded. So it's like Wordseed X The Collector. Um, how does that work? So how does the model work for both parties? And then how are you actually going on to sell the product? So yeah, so so it's, it's very early days, um, but we soft launched a product um, that we're calling Smart Stores um, earlier in the month. Um, a lot of publishers um, like Leo from the Collector will have considered an e-commerce offering, um, but how do they achieve this? You know, traditional e-com would be a risk. 
um, especially as it's unlikely to be a, an area of, of their expertise. Um, and as and as we found out the hard way, marketplaces also come with a, with a number of issues. So we built smart stores so publishers and, and content creators can can literally create, customize, and launch a shop in in ten minutes. They can drag and drop the elements they want on the homepage configure the colors, fonts, and everything else. They can select brands from the list of our, you know, 100 or so, um, 200, 250 or so brands, and they can choose the categories they, they want. It's, it really is, um, it really is very versatile. And, and the smart store users can do this without any of the heavy lifting associated with designing and developing a platform. So there's, there's no sourcing of brands, no stock management, image processing, customer services, you know, to, na- to name a few. And, and literally the model works by, um, the publisher drives traffic to their smart store, um, and when an end user is directed to a brand site, that the publisher is rewarded with a with a cost per click. Excellent. Um, sounds sounds interesting. How many of you out of interest? How many people have you got using it, or is it just really early days because you've only just launched it? So, so we so we released it to we released it to six publishers, um, and four have have live um, have live stores. So. Um, the likes of On Point Fresh, H Gentleman, Coolette, uh, and, and 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 another that escapes me. But yeah, th- those those three um, and another have them. So yeah, go, go onto the site if you, on on their sites, and you can see it'll say an you know, Ape Store or or or, um, or Coolette Store, or whatever it is, and you have a look. And, and that's all um, powered by um, powered by Wordseed. And um, can they embed? elements in their existing like um content pages outside of the brand store they like you know have not they've got an editorial and they want to put uh, product recommendations on that which clicks through can they do that yet or yeah, is that something potentially for the future yeah yeah they can and um, so that would be our smart windows product so right, so okay. we've got essentially smart windows is split into three sections um or three three ad creatives one of them is um um products um, so, so a carousel of products and lifestyle. The other one is a, a small, um, you know, carousel, but a smaller bit of lifestyle. Um, so, yeah, if you're if you're doing an article um, about, um, you know, use my sunglasses example again. If you're doing an article about sunglasses and you want to embed um, product within that article, then one line of code um, and, uh, and and we'll pull through, um, you know, sunglasses um, directly to the article. Uh, and how does the how does the brands what's their mechanism for getting all their product data into you how how do you consume it um is it api based is it you know, spreadsheets is it flexible so so a combination of um of, of feeds and uh, and google feeds um so so each brand um each brand that that works with us that's got a product catalog um yeah, it gives us access to their to their feeds. So we got we got a few other different ways of, of getting feeds as well. But luckily, no no spreadsheets. Um, we we draw the line at, at spreadsheets. Um, but because yeah, we've always done that with with a Puma, a Puma's um, always been feed based, even in the um, marketplace days. So so we we've got quite a lot of experience in pulling through feeds. And if you have a look at the smart stores, you'll you'll notice that um, we run the products through. Um, through an image processor that essentially removes the background and adds in a adds in the background so so uniformity is key on something like a you know a multi-brand store like this you don't want you know if you've got 100 brands on the same store it can look quite messy quite quickly so um so we do a lot of work um to automate 
um, image processing. And I think the, the result the result's pretty good. Yeah, it's, it's a really good point because this is one of the biggest challenges that marketplaces historically have faced is, is just such a varying quality of imagery, especially when it's not properly vetted. Um, yeah, exactly. Well, uh, a question on um, on uh, the impact of iOS privacy changes, which has obviously been impacting people's thinking around um, ads advertising. Has that had an increase? Have you seen an increase in demand for WordSeed as people are looking for more and more effect, yeah, you know, other effective channels for uh, customer targeting and remarketing? Yeah, right. I mean, the. All of the ads that we run are contextual, and we feel like we're we're quite early to the you know to the, to the party really. Um, but in the iOS changes, um, feel like a step in the right direction for us. I guess um, you know more brands are becoming aware that targeting um, targeting customers using third party cookies won't last forever. So yeah, they're they're looking they're looking for alternatives. And actually, um, I, I don't have the exact figures, but we, we you know we're we're you know, we've taken on significant number of brands you know, since the iOS 14 release. So yeah, I think um, I think it's you know privacy first world is is going to be good for us. Great. Um, so I'll ask the next one, and this is uh, one that I'm particularly interested in. Uh, so you recently bought Bombardier, which is a fairly high profile marketplace. So I think they must have been spending a lot of money on paid ads because yeah, I've heard a few people like. Yeah, talk about how often they've seen them on Instagram. I certainly saw them all the time. Um, mm. What's the plan here, and like, why did why did Bombardier like catch your attention? So yeah, yeah, we have um, the the Bombardier team um, built a great community around ethical manufacture and craftsmanship over over a five year period, um, and we're we're definitely excited to be a part of that. For for full transparency, we acquired the assets rather than the company itself. So so we're going we're going through a full rebrand uh, right now um we're we're um as as you as you might guess you know not going to launch it as a, as a marketplace but we're going to launch it um as a platform um under the uh, brand earthfolk um and the domain earthfolk.com so it's going to be um you know give, given you know the company sort of cut its teeth in um ethical and sustainability and craftsmanship um it is a resource for people um, looking to live, travel, and shop more sustainably. Um, so yeah, we're, we're looking forward to building um, building out that community and offering it as another publisher on WordSeed for for, for WordSeed brands. Interesting. Yeah, it sounds like a really cool move. Um, and then last question: So, what do you have coming up over the next twelve months? Any other kind of interesting projects or kind of planned new offerings or anything like that that you're planning to take to market? So we're going to be putting a lot of focus on scaling smart stores. Um, we plan to offer them not only to publishers and content creators, but literally anyone with an audience um, on any channel of any size. Um, you know, it, smart stores work great as a low-touch side hustle for someone, all the way up to like large enterprise publishers. Um, so yeah, lots lots to do there, given the product is so new. And, and aside from that, you know, we're going to be working on scaling the, the four core word seed products. Um, as well as growing the audience and the and the owned media side, um, and launching launching a few more um, launching a few more titles, um, you know, in this Q one of, of next year as well. Excellent. Sounds like you've got a few things to do then. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's um, yeah, lot, lots to do, and you know, just feel um, yeah, feel like we've we've got the we've got the team we've got the team to do it. So yeah, exciting exciting times.
Um, excellent. Thanks so much, Harry, for taking the time to 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 share a bit more about the the, the platform, where it's going, you know, how it works and who it's for. Um, if there's anyone out there, whether it's publishers or brands who, who want to grill you uh, a bit more about, um, you know, what the what the benefits are for them, uh, who do they reach out to, or how do they reach out to you? Yeah, they, they can reach out to me, Harry at wordseed.com. Nice so, yeah, and easy. Happy to speak to anyone. Yeah, nice, nice and easy. Exactly. Easy to remember. Excellent. Uh, and thanks to everyone listening. We hope you enjoyed uh, the episode and found it interesting. Keep an ear open for our next episode. We drop one every Tuesday. And do give us a rating on Apple, Spotify, YouTube. Until next week, everybody. Thank you very much. For more information on this topic, head over to replatform.fm for our audio podcasts. To discuss a project, or if you'd like to chat about any of the topics covered in this episode in more detail, please reach out to myself, James Gerd, or my co-host, Paul Rogers, via LinkedIn and Twitter. Thanks again for listening, and keep your ears peeled for the next episode.